there was this king who wanted to uh, go see his people. And he went around the country, and he went to each city, each town. He wanted to get to know the people, you know, from the inside. And he also visited a prison. You know, he wants to know everybody. And the prison, he asked each person, the men in the prison, what are you in for? So Yankel says, you know why I'm in? They thought I was Shmero. And they arrested me. It's really a mistaken identity. They asked Beryl, what are you in for? Beryl, Beryl was explaining to them how they thought this and they thought that and they looked at this and looked at that and it really was this. Then they saw, then the king asked Laser, Laser, what are you in for? Every other person who had an excuse wasn't their fault. Laser said, well, actually, I was poor and I was hungry. So I stole, I stole. The king's like, take Laser out of prison immediately. He says, why? Why Laser? Laser is the one who admitted he was guilty. Why Laser? This guy is a Russia. He's, he's going to mess up all the tzaddikim here. Laser, <laughs> who is guilty, is going, to, is going to mess everyone else up. So, in the month of Elul, it's a month of making a stock taking, a month of understanding who we are and where we are. It's not a month where we're supposed to try to beautify the things that aren't beautiful and pretend that they're not there. On the other hand, although it's not, we're not supposed to you know, ignore who we really are, what we're really doing. On the other hand, El, we talk about making a stock taking. People make a mistake about doing this. They right away, some people when they're making a spiritual stock taking, they right away take out a pen and a paper and they're looking at the Shema that they're saying or they're not saying and the, what, they're, they're doing Mencha, they're not doing Mencha, they're eating kosher, not eating kosher. They're right away going to the pen and paper. But the, the first thing is not the pen and paper. The first thing we need to start in order to take a calculation of where we are is to know our value, to know how precious we are. If you don't know how precious you are, it doesn't matter what you're doing. There's a first step in doing any calculation of where you need to be. That is, you have to know who you are and what you're about. Then you need to know what you need. Then you can understand what you need to do. The halacha in the Talmud, let's say I have a fruit tree, I have an apple tree. And I want to sell the fruit of the tree, but the tree hasn't grown any fruit yet. So halacha is, if I try to sell you that, and I make a transaction, you give me a hundred bucks, and for the fruit of the tree, the halacha is, the, the fruit is not sold. Why? You cannot acquire something that does not yet exist. You can't sell the fruit. There's no fruit there. However, the Talmud says, if you sell the tree for its fruits, not selling the whole tree, just the ability of the tree to produce fruit, then you, not only you, you acquire the tree, you also acquire the fruit. In other words, you can't just focus on the fruit. You focus just on the details, you don't get anything. Even though the whole point of the tree is to make fruit. Whole, but in order to be able to start anything, you have to start with the source. So too, when we talk about the month of Elul, the month of Hashem gives us to renew ourselves, become different, become, or not just different, become closer to who we really are inside, which is what the word Teshuvah means. Teshuvah means to come closer to yourself. Teshuvah means to come back. Come back to what? Come back to who you are. In order to do Teshuvah, you have to know who you, what your value is. And we're going to see today, from the perspective of this external portion, unbelievable insight of how we're supposed to look at each other and look at ourselves. There's halacha in this week's Torah portion about a murder. If a body is discovered, and no one knows who killed this person, Torah says that the elders of Yerushalayim, the head of the Sanhedrin, should come to, a, to the body and they should measure the distance from the body to the closest town, closest city. And they, then they go to the town that's closest 
and they take a, a calf near a river in that town and they slaughter this, this calf and they say, our hands did not spill this blood and our eyes did not see this person and we don't, that's what the Talmud, that's what the Torah says. The obvious question is, what's the point of doing that? Killing the calf and going to the, and measuring the body and measuring the distance of the body to the city. There's a whole discussion in the Talmud about how do you measure? Do you measure from his stomach? Do you measure from his nose? Where do you measure from? The three opinions. Why bring the greatest rabbis from Jerusalem, from the head of the court, to come down to this city? And not only that, if it's obvious, it's right outside this city where this person has died, they still have to measure. So still go down on the ground, they're going to get dirty, and they still have to measure where, where is the closest um, place to this body. What's the point? So there is explanation of Sadia Goyen. Sadia Goyen says, first of all, why are they saying our hands didn't spill the blood? The head of the Sanhedrin, the head of the Jewish court, we, we're thinking that he's the murderer? Of course he's not the murderer. Rather, Talmud says, when someone comes to a city, you have to make sure the person has food. Make sure the person has a place to stay. And not only that, you have to set him on his journey and help him get to where they need to go. So if there's a city, and there's no protection of the city, and people are, are walking in the city unprotected, and they're leaving the city unprotected, so that's why, that's why this person got killed. So the head of the Sanhedrin is announcing, we didn't let the guy go without protection. And the Rasadi Gwen says a very sharp statement. He says, just like we are responsible for the things we do, we're responsible for the things that we don't do. And therefore the head of the Sanhedrin has to be, has to announce, it wasn't our fault, we know, and if there is a city, which next to the city this person passed away, that's why they have to atone for it, because probably they are guilty, and they, this, their city didn't do a sufficient amount for this person who has passed away. That's why they're the ones. The Ebenezer says something else. Ebenezer says that if there is a sin done in a certain area, probably the people in that area are responsible for it. So therefore, the closest people to that murder, it's, it, it's just like the Talmud says, something, something may have to happen, but a murder may have to happen, someone may have to die, but the one who actually kills a person, even if it's by accident, is because they're guilty. They, they, they are, are in some, in that, inside themselves, even though it wasn't their fault, but deep down subconsciously there's something negative there, and that's why this person's death happened to this person. Similarly, the Ebenezer says, if this person died, why die here next to the city? There must be something negative in the city, and that's why we ascribe responsibility to people of that city. But they don't answer the question, why measure? You could see where the body is. You could see how close the body is to the next city. Why measure? So Maimonides, the Rambam, in Guide to Perplexed, the Rambam says, the purpose of measuring is in order to publicize the murder. In order that people should know that this person passed away. And hopefully this will, the world will get out, this guy got killed. And then we'll discover who the murderer is. In order to discover who the murderer is, therefore we, we put the word out. And how do we put the word out? By everyone getting down and dirty and, and the head of this, the Jewish court comes and everyone will hear. And that, that's what Ramam says. But it, there are many ways to publicize. Even though they didn't have WhatsApp and they didn't have Facebook in those days. But there are many different ways we could publicize it. What's the meaning of, of the, this specific way of the heads of the Jewish court coming? And, and what does that mean? So the Rebbe explains like this. <laughs> Ev explains like this. If there's a Jew, 
I'll never forget this. I was once walking on the hall in elementary school. I don't know how old I was. And there was a lady sitting on the floor. And I didn't know what to do. So I just walked over her. I don't know how great I was then. I was very young. I didn't know what to do. I just walked. The Torah is telling us, you see someone on the ground, everything stops. Someone, the Jew is on the ground, doesn't matter what the story is, everything stops, one Jew is on the ground, one Jew is suffering, one Jew is... Everything stops. To teach us the value of one Jew. Don't say, oh, there's just one guy. One Jew is on the ground, everything stops, the head of the Jewish court, the court stops, they leave, they come there, they get down and dirty on the ground, and they say, what's going on over here? How did this happen? It's order to teach us the value of each Jew. And that's why, when Yosef at Tzaddik when he um, uh, sent a message to his father that he was alive, the Torah says he sent wagons. In Hebrew, the word for a wagon, agalah, is the same as the root of the word for a calf, which is this halakha, you take a calf and you slaughter the calf. Why did Yosef send his father a message about the, the calf with the wagons? He wanted to allude to this halakha. So, so the simple reason is, he wanted to tell his father I remember the last thing you taught me. The last thing Yaakov taught Yosef was the law of the calf. The, the slaughter calf, the law of the person who was killed and no one knows who killed him. Wow, Why did Yaakov teach it to him? Agala. The wagon is the same root as the word calf. So Yosef sent wagons to allude to the last... I remember the last thing you taught me that. You remember? I'm still religious. I'm still learning the Torah. I remember the last thing you taught me. Why did Yaakov teach him this law? Because when Yaakov sent Yosef to go to his brothers... Yos, Yaakov accompanied him. And Yosef said, why are you accompanying me? I could just walk by myself. So Yaakov told Yosef, I want to tell you why I'm accompanying you. Because there's a law in the Torah. When someone leaves the town, you have to not just send them away with food, you also have to send them away with someone to guide them and to, to go to start their journey with them. That's, what the, that's one explanation. But the Zohar says that Yaakov did not accompany Yosef. In fact, Yaakov felt regret about the fact that he didn't walk with Yosef. So why be teaching the laws of, of Egla Rufa? Why teach him this specific law about the, the, the murder when no one knows who killed him? Why teach him this law? This is because although Yaakov didn't know what, with his con consciously what was going to happen, but subconsciously, with prophecy, Yaakov knew that Yosef was in deep trouble. And Yaakov knew something was going to happen to him. In his prophecy, in something beyond his logic, beyond his mind, there was something that he had a sense of it. And therefore, Yaakov gave Yosef the energy, ammunition he would need to, to overcome all the challenges you would have later with the enmity of his brothers and the, the grandeur of being the second commander of the Paro and the seduction of Potiphar's wife and all the different challenges that Yosef would ever encounter how is Yosef going to handle this? Yaakov sent with Yosef the message of the Egla Rufa he sent him the, uh, the story he sent him the halakha of the, the calf how does that help Yosef? Yosef understands one Jew is important. I may be by myself and all my brothers hating me and they threw me into a pit. Yosef knows that although he's one Jew by himself, the Torah teaches us how precious each of us is and he specifically sent wagons. There's another place in the Torah that talks about wagons. Who knows another place the Torah talks about wagons? Right. The Torah talks about wagons? With the senses, with the spices. Senses, spices. Oh, yes, yes. The Torah talks about the wagon when it talks about carrying the tabernacle carrying all, the ta all of the things in the tabernacle, the Mishkan, were carried by wagons. Why did God want us to walk around the desert for 40 years? 
The purpose is that the, the, the actual movement of the tabernacle with the wagons was to bring God's holiness everywhere they traveled. So Yaakov was telling Yosef, you are an ambassador of Hashem to Egypt. You're going far away from me, physically, spiritually, but you should know you're not going by yourself. You're not going because no one cares about you. Wherever you go, you're an ambassador of Hashem to reveal Hashem's light and love and truth. That's what Yaakov was telling Yosef by sending him away with this, this halacha of the Egla Aruf. There was a Jew. Let me ask you a question. Soon, question, question, soon. There were any witnesses for what he said to him? Nobody ever talked between them like in four eyes? Huh? Never? Never? Like in four eyes? Who heard that? 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 Listen, we're going to get to you soon. Here we, we're getting to you now. Let's get to you right now. The meaning of the Egla Rufa, this whole story, is very relevant to each of us. Especially with the beginning of the month of Elul. Oh, thank you. Oh, I want to make sure that you're not running away from your paper because... <laughs> the Jew named Rabbi Moshe Prager. Moshe Prager is a writer who wrote a lot of, a lot of history of the Holocaust. We know because of Rabbi Moshe Prager. He wrote the following story that he, that he documented. Though he, didn't, he wasn't there, how did they know? But he, he found out the story, he documented the story. <laughs> he said that there were a group of girls in Auschwitz, and they were, they were graduates of the Beit Yaakov mm-hmm. High School, the really religious high school. Mm-hmm. And they were given the job by the Nazis to be seamstresses. Mm-hmm. And they were given material, and they had to work nonstop. And of course, it was the, the subhuman conditions, and how could they survive? But they mm-hmm. survived. One day, one girl was so weak, in the middle, she's, she's, she has this material, and she falls asleep, and, and the, 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 um, the machine is, is, is wrapping up the whole, the, whole, the whole material. And the Nazi was watching him. She notices this, and she takes the, this girl, she throws her on the ground, and she steps on her and hurts her and steps on her until he's, she's bleeding. And all other girls got up and said, no, keep on working. So they carried her back to the bunk after the work was done. And this girl, is totally not going to make it, but she's so weak, and they and she's asking, she's gasping, she smells soup. Mm-hmm. They would give them soup in Auschwitz, soup. We call it a soup. And this girl is asking, she wants soup. So they're thinking, soup for them is life. Mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 that, that's all they ate a tiny bit every day. That this is how they survive. This girl can't live the next day anyways. What's the point of giving her soup if she can't live the next day anyways? You can see she's blood is spilling out of her. She's not going to survive. So one girl, Rachel, she gets up and she says, if we were in high school, and one of us, we need something, all of us would work together to help that person. None of us would leave any of us alone. If the Nazis succeed in us not helping each other, that means they won. Mm-hmm. And she inspired them all to take their soup and to share with them. She didn't make it the next day. This girl didn't make it the next day. But Rachel said, we saved ourselves. Our souls were saved. That's the meaning of the story, the halakha, of the Egla Rufa. The Torah wants to tell us the value of every single Jew. And that's the meaning that this has for, for each of us as we're approaching the month of Elul. What does the Torah say? The guy leaves the city and he leaves out food and he leaves without accompaniment. What's the meaning of accompaniment? 
halacha is, when someone comes to your house, you have to give them food, fine. Mm-hmm. Besides giving them food, you have to walk out with them. Mm. The Talmud says... Like Tal- when they're leaving? When they're leaving. Okay. You have to walk them out a little bit. What's the meaning of... What's the meaning of walking out with them? What's the walking out with them? If, you just, if they just eat in your house and then they leave, it's, you, they feel that they're a tzlaka case. They feel that they're, they're, they're your mitzvah. That you have to do kindness. Okay, so they happen to be the victim of your kindness. You know, you, 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 you have to do kindness to somebody. So they, they were your mitzvah. But, but when you walk out with them, you walk out with them, you're telling them, you matter to me. You're important to me. The elders, it's unbelievable. The Talmud Yerushalmi says, I don't know Yosef remembers, it's a good memory. No one else remembers. The Talmud Yerushalmi says, what Talmud Yerushalmi says? The Talmud Yerushalmi says, when they say, the elders of the city say, we didn't leave the guy without food and without accompaniment. You know what the Talmud Yerushalmi says? Unbelievable. They're not talking about the, the simple meaning is, we're talking about the guy who got killed. If we would have given him food, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have to have the, 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 the strength to fight against the murderer. If we would have accompanied him, he would have felt special in himself, he would have felt, you know, has, has had some confidence. And he would have maybe been able to protect himself against the murderer. The Talmud Yerushalmi says, we're not talking about the, the murdered guy, we're talking about the murderer. Mm. Why is there a guy who's a murderer? Where does it come from? A murderer among our people, where does it come from? You hear it time. So they're saying, we didn't leave the murderer without food. We didn't have to leave the murderer without a company. The reason why this guy became a murderer, why does a person, has to show him, go, go so far off? Where does it come from? The Torah says, you find a halal. What's a halal mean? Halal a means a corpse, but also means a void. The reason why a person looks and, and feels empty is because they find the corpse, they find the void in the field. What does it mean find the void in the field? It means the field means the mundane. We don't realize, but we get caught up with, and we get obsessed with mundane physical things, and we think that's going to satisfy the void in our hearts. That's going to make us feel, you know, value. But then we, we, we get this illusion that doesn't satisfy anything. So do you see a lot of young people growing up? And they're looking to their parents, to their friends, to their teachers, to their schools for some warmth, some love, some connection. And the Torah says, you know why a person grows up, they become empty, there's a void, there's no food, there's no accompaniment. What's food mean? Food means to give them Torah. You see, a child's growing up in Los Angeles, it shouldn't be that, that this kid is growing up and no one's offering Torah. We have to open a door, the kid's growing up, has to be, but even if you give them Torah, Torah isn't enough. You have to also give him the company. You have to make him feel he's connected. You have to feel, you have to feel he's part of it. You find there's someone who there's a void. Where's the void coming from? He didn't have food. He didn't have this connection. Levi means a connection. Feel a connection to his, to his people. And the Torah is telling us ourselves something. Not just what we have to tell. Not just what we have to realize the fault. The, 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 the um, people in our lives who, who don't are looking for love and they're in the wrong places and then, and then they develop this void. Our own selves. What happens if you yourself find yourself a void? You, keep, you find a lot of people telling me recently the same phenomenon. I'm learning Torah, I'm showing up to shul, it feels so empty. Chalal means I feel a void. I'm doing all this stuff, I'm showing up, I'm keeping kosher, I'm keeping Shabbat, I'm, 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 but I don't, I don't feel anything. So you want to know, mihiko, how did this happen? Where did the murder come from in myself? How did I get killed? How did I lose all the energy in myself? Where did it come from? What should I do? So Torah says... What should you do? You should take a calf and kill the calf from the back of the neck. Usually the halacha is that all the sacrifices in the Torah are offered in the temple. And who offers the sacrifices? The Kohen. A Kohen. And the temple is one who offers the sacrifice. 
What do you do if you feel you're empty inside? You feel the mitzvahs you do have no value. What should you do? The face of the person represents his inner enjoyment, his pleasure, his interest, his understanding. The back means the things in our lives which we don't understand, we don't appreciate, we have no connection to. So the Torah says, you're not in a place you see holiness. You're not in a place that you're around holy people. You're not around the Kohanim. You're not in the Beit HaMikdash. You don't even feel any interest in what you're doing. But nevertheless, the Torah says, hold on to the back of the neck. What does that mean, hold on to the back of the neck? Be stubborn. The Jewish people are called Am Kshayor, they're called the stubborn people. And you, why is it that I can't have to wait six hours after meat before milk? I'll wait four. Why is it I have to do Mincha right now? I'll do Mincha yesterday. I'll do Mincha tomorrow. Why is it I have to do Rabbeinu Tam? No one else does Rabbeinu Tam. Torah says, you have to hold on. Am Kshayoref, we're stubborn-necked people. And by being stubborn and holding on to the Torah, even though we don't understand, what does the Torah say? You have to cleanse the, 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 the innocent blood from your midst. There's innocent blood in ourselves. We don't know how it happened. We don't know how we got so obsessed and got so empty. And so. And we, where does emptiness come from? It comes from the fact that we don't value our ourselves and our neshama. We don't have self-esteem. Self-esteem means to value your neshama, to value who you are, and therefore every moment you have is precious. So what's the advice the Torah says? Hold on. Last week, I was flying back from Florida, and it was a big plane. Bigger planes are easier to daven in, right? And then daven in the morning, whatever reason, and I'm down in the plane. So I asked them, the steward, the steward if I could daven in a certain place. I told you a story. So the steward said, you, you could dive in in front of the bathroom. Okay, fine, so it was okay. And a great place actually to dive in. It was the best place I ever had in a plane to dive in. It was like perfect. Wow, great. Another dive in. So I'm praying Shacharit. It's great, <laughs> perfect. It's like a shul almost. Anyways, again, in middle, the middle of Shacharit, in the middle of, of the part you can't interrupt, middle of Shmonesri, middle of Lachash. In the middle of Lachash, then the seatbelt sign comes on. Mm. Seatbelt sign comes on. And the guy says, sir, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't respond to him because right in the middle of Shmonasir. He says, sir, excuse me, sir. And I don't respond. He says, sir, he has pulling my, my sleeve. Sir, sir. And he's not responding, so he puts his hand on my phone. Sir, sir. And it's getting a little louder. And I'm not even sure there's the right thing to do or not. I mean, there's, there's turbulence, there's this. They haven't supposed to sit down. Is it the right? And I know I decided, like, I am... Diving right now. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> he takes away my phone. Of course, he covered my phone. Oh, he took they, your they, phone. They, they took it <laughs> took phone away. Phone. He's like, sir, sir, and then and then he was like standing next to me, like you know, like like breathing down my neck. <laughs> but I, but I finished davening. Yes, I finished davening, and then and then I said to him, I'm sorry, I it was a part I couldn't interrupt. Okay, but you need to sit down. He sat down. The point is, sometimes you don't know why you have to continue. We have to be stiff-necked. You have to be stubborn. You have <laughs> I met this guy. Yesterday, this guy told me the following story. It's a true story about himself. It's a true story, and you think, but it's it's so true. It's a true story of each of us. The guy is in his office. This chabad boy passes by. He says, "Hey, you want to put on film?" He thinks, "Not really, but okay. Why not?" Puts on film. Boy comes to him a week or two later, puts on film with him. Okay, why not? Then he says to himself after the boy leaves, 
He doesn't know why he says it to himself, but he does what he says to himself. This is everyone's story. Is why do I put on tefillin with him? I put on tefillin by myself. And he gets a pair of tefillin and starts putting on tefillin every day. Wow. Then he says to himself, why should I just say Shema? I could do Shema Nash, I could do the whole thing. I could do the, the Lachash, the whole the 18 blessings. Then he says to himself, why just Shema Lachash? I could do the whole davening. Then he says to himself, I'm doing the whole davening, I could do it in a minion. And he goes to a shul. And then he says to himself, why could just do the minion once a day? I could do minion three times a day. And then he says, why am I not keeping Shabbat? And why am I not keeping kosher? And he became fully religious because, why not? Why not? I need to do this, why not? Yeah. This why not, this stubbornness of a Jew to connect to Hashem, even though there's no reason why, you have no interest in doing it, that's how you, 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 you fill the halal. That's how you fill the emptiness. You have to be very aware of the wonderful, beautiful people in our lives who are searching and they're lonely and they look for love in all the wrong places because they don't find it by us. They don't find it by the Jewish people. They don't find it in the schools. They don't find it from their teachers. They don't find it from the rabbis. And they look elsewhere. They're, wonder- they're amazing people. There's an emptiness. So we have to look in ourselves and realize how, how, uh, what we could do to help other people and ourselves. We, we feel emptiness to hold on. Hold on, and then Hashem will help us discover the source where it comes from, where the source it comes from, by not realizing how precious you are and how valuable your mitzvah is. It says in the Torah, someone walks at night. A person is walking by himself at night, and he someone's walking by himself at night. Right. So, 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 no, no. He's walking by himself at night. <laughs> walking, what's the big deal? He's walking at night. He's walking at night. He's doing nothing. And Sarah Torah says he, he's liable for his life. What's the big deal? He's walking at night. Big deal. And he's not doing anything specific. Torah is telling us like this. Torah is telling us how a lot of young people, they grow up, and, they, and their parents don't realize, oh, they're home from school between in the break. Like, they're not doing anything. They're not doing anything. Or in general, they have nothing about Judaism that interests them. But they're, they're on break. Or in general, they're, they're in, there's during school time, but they're not interested in what they're doing. They, they don't have any, any, any ambition. They don't have any, any taste. They don't have any, any interest, any attraction to the torments that they're doing. You might think it's not a big deal. But you should know where does it come from, this halal? Where does it come from, this emptiness that makes us look for all the places? It's because... We don't fill this halal. We don't. We don't. We, we let ourselves just be. Oh, it's empty. It doesn't matter. To realize that we're precious. We're. If each of us is sent by Hashem to this world to bring Mashiach, bring light and goodness to the world, we can't let there be emptiness. Like oh, emptiness in our children. To, I'm not saying you have to wake up your kids to daven when, or, or, or during the break. Let them sleep in a little bit. Oh, I'm saying this. Summer school. That's all. I'm talking about giving. I'm talking about giving yourself and giving your children. Something that will satisfy their inner, their inner um, soul with a sense of ambition and depth. And it's so important. Don't that's say, oh, why is, why, that's a purpose, that's a word. Yes. Don't, don't wait till they, oh, why, why are they in Greenwich Village now? Where does Greenwich Village come from? It comes because they didn't find anything else where they were. And a lot of them, very sensitive people, very sensitive, they're the ones who are looking farther because, because they're the ones who need it more. We should, we should find out who we are and what we are. And we should uh, come home to Yishalayim with Mashiach now. Chaim.